Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Death by Champagne, the podcast here to keep you up at night. We are back this week with our first October installment. I'm pretty sure we mentioned it in the episode, but just to give you guys a heads up, the format for October will continue to be essentially Mac telling a story one week and me telling a story another week. You guys will still get the same length of audio content. You'll just get one person telling a story so we can give you more detail. So this week, it's my turn and I bring you fairies, witches, folklore, and husbands who kill their wives. I bring you the tale of the burning of Bridget Cleary, her last days on earth, and the deeply rooted beliefs in fairies in rural Ireland. This episode contains foul language, topics regarding murder, witches, and folklore. We'll do our best to stay on track, but the bottles are popped. Hello. Welcome back. Welcome to October. Fucking October, it's here. It is here. The season of... Look it. Spooky Look it. It's freaking bats. (laughs) Yes. So excited. I love her so much. She's so cute. The best internet content of all time. Uh, Yeah. Look it up. Follow... I can't... There's some numbers after it. Katie Ryan on Instagram. Something or other. (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) She's a V-famous Marc Jacobs model now. Oh, yeah. She's so cute. Good for her. Good for her. her. Get that college money, girl. (laughs) Or get so much money you don't have to pay that broken institution. Yes, yes, do that. (laughs) Have we talked about debt ever on the show? Right, ever? Have we? (laughs) Oh my God. I can't. I can't. Well, we're recording this quite a bit ahead of actual October. Yes, it is. But we've had quite a month of entertainment. Wait, is this October yet? (laughs) Now this episode? Oh, no. No, it is. It is. Okay. It is. <laughs> Mariah. Okay, sorry. Cut that. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> well, we've had quite a month of entertainment. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago? We went to Hop in the City. Yes. And last yeah. week, 
We went to go see Hustlers. Oh, yeah. We went to a very nice brunch at Juniper. And then we went to go see Hustlers, and we saw it the only way you can. We split at the door. The party lines were drawn. Half of us went for snacks. The other half were like, no, we must get drinks. Meg ordered a double gin and tonic, and me and Brittany bought a bottle of champagne. I got frozen cookie dough bites, which I am obsessed with. I literally have never been asked that at a movie theater. I wish everyone could have heard the, like, guttural. She was like, did you know that they'll give you these frozen? I was so excited. But now my life is forever changed, and I cannot order candy at a movie theater unless it's frozen. It's a better. It's not it's a better thing. Same. It's, it's way better. And I got a cherry Coke. Mm. Mm. The king of Cokes. <laughs> yes. When I drink a soda once a year. Yes. <laughs> or when I, well... More than once a year when I'm horribly hungover <laughs> and I drink a fountain soda from QT. <laughs> uh, yeah. Because for some reason that fixes it. Hmm. I didn't realize that Hustlers was going to be such a true crime movie. Yeah. I mean, clearly it was. Yeah. We knew that, that that's what the content was going into yes. it. But the but movie not itself. not like how serious. Yeah. I feel like it was a very somber movie. Right. There's like 20 good minutes of stripping. Yeah. And then there's... And there's, like, a portion of, like, this is fun and great, and oh yeah. my god, they're having so much fun, and then the rest is just kind of sadness. Yeah. Intenseness and sadness. And yeah. it's great. It was a very good movie. Right. J-Lo's body is the most phenomenal thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how? I don't understand. How? I mean, millions of dollars and good genetics, that's how. But and being paid to look like that. Truth. Yeah. I mean, if we talk about Hustlers, I do feel like we both need to say also that, like, we probably could have hired some actual, yes. like, people involved in the industry. Yes. yes. I don't know the history of, like, who worked in production. If some, I do think that they had maybe some consultants. Yeah. that Like, people that they paid as some consultants. But I was like, you know, you didn't really need every famous person that was relevant from the last four years. No. They could have definitely found actual strippers who work in the industry and who are talented in the acting field. Right. (laughs) And utilized them. Definitely. Yeah. But October. We have a lot of awesome stories lined up for October. Um, I believe some of the topics that we maybe might cover... As always, everything's subject to change. Um, I found some good story that includes some some human vampirism, if mm. you will. Some modern blood drinking. Interesting. Lots Interesting. of murder. I'm going to try to find another haunting. Lots I'm of always Satan. trying to top the Beckford haunting. I don't think you can. I know. I'm constantly And that was trying. really early. <laughs> I know. And I'm trying to constantly find something that's better or just as good. I can't ever, because every time I read a haunting story, like, even when I went to Milwaukee and stayed at the Brumford Mansion, I was like, uh, okay. Because <laughs> you don't believe it. Well, I was just like, okay, someone died here, and now that, like, they live here, like, that's totally plausible, and that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Although, one woman did say that, not the current owner, but the owner before that said that, a mirror, like, flew across the room from the bathroom while she was in the room cleaning it, like, in the room that we stayed in. Ooh. And I was like... Fuck that. I mean, yeah, that would suck, but it didn't happen to me. <laughs> yeah. Spooks. Maybe I'll do mirrors. Ooh, that's a good one. on mirrors. Yeah. I like it. Like, mirror worlds and magic and... Yeah. Yes. 
Yes, yes. That's good times. What else do we have? Do we have any other business? Um, hmm. I don't think so. We do have some business. Oh, do we? But I don't, I think I'm going to tease you. I don't think we can talk about it yet. Oh, okay. Ooh, I know what I can talk about. Okay. That I haven't told you. We can also cut in some more banter about Hustlers. <laughs> yes. We watched uh, Nightmare Cinema. Have you heard of that? No. Okay. It is new-ish. I want to say it's new. And it has very good reviews. Like critics especially have loved it. And we found a copy at none other than the new family video we have to go to on Gravoy. Which is not as good as the Maplewood one. Gravoy family video. But it's at least a family video. It's here. So we went there. Got this. It was great. It's like a... It's very B-rated, but like on purpose. And I like it's that. it's a bunch of mini horror movies. Ooh, that's one. fun. It's like someone, they all happen at the same theater and it's like someone, like the first one is just like this girl's walking by. I think she's breaking up with her boyfriend on the phone or something. And then the lights come on and it's like one of those old school theaters that have like the, the little, you know, with the, what the movie is on the like old school, like the high point. Uh, like a sign? Yes. <laughs> but not like an electronic sign. Okay. Like with the movable letters. Yes, 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 yes. And it says like a movie title and then it has her name. And it's like, bitch, you're dead. And then she goes in and then no, it's like, that. hello. And then she like is looking around and then like a light shines down on one of the seats. And so she sits down and then the movie comes on and it's her in the movie. And then she gets stabbed in the fucking head. Pretty much. <laughs> I don't know. That and then was it's just like all, the, all these different people who watch themselves in this, these movies. It's very good. Ooh. And each one's different. I watched The Perfection. I want to see that. Which has been on Netflix forever. Uh, I don't know why I didn't watch it before, but we started it and Cash was disinterested immediately. What? Just, well, the whole beginning is fucking weird. I'm interested. It doesn't make any sense. Okay. I mean, unless you come from a high, I mean, I think it's just too privileged for me to understand. Two, like, two girls are the main focus and they're both cellists and they're in China for some sort of musical strings event. I don't fucking know what was happening. Okay. And it, it doesn't matter. But then they're like, we're just going to take off and go to somewhere like remote parts of China together. And I'm like, do they know each other? They just met. Oh. But they also have like a really weird, immediate, close relationship that's like unsettling and it feels like the movie takes off way too fast. Oh. It's like, no, two people don't fucking do that. Right. No. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are two very broken people and that sparks oh. a lot of, I mean, that, that's good circumstances for like an unusual experience. Okay. But they just leave, take off together. And then it just... It gets really, really weird, but there's a good part. Like, the movie happens up until the main, like, holy fuck, this is going to happen. And then the movie stops. And it rewinds back to, like, a fourth of the way through. And it shows you, with increasing speed, the parts that you didn't pick up on. What? And it, like, gives away the twist. And then it shows you the bullshit that happens. Oh, And it happens shit. again. It happens twice in the movie. That it's like, oh, you fuck. thought this was going to happen. And then so it backs it up and plays it to you again and shows you more than you saw the first time. But at the end of it, it's very, it's very triggering and fucked up. Okay, I have to watch this immediately. TW, sexual assault, but... Okay, but have to watch it. <laughs> but also the sexual assault is not the... I mean, it's the point, but only in the last, like, 15 minutes. Oh. It's weird. It's very, very weird. Mm. Okay. 
also you're you're gonna it doesn't matter it doesn't matter <laughs> but you're gonna see the point that i'm talking about in this movie <laughs> this Don't is a conversation between me and olivia <laughs> sorry you guys aren't interested anymore <laughs> but you're gonna see the point that i'm talking about and be like yeah that wasn't the answer oh. no that wouldn't have worked out <laughs> okay okay that's not real okay i'm gonna watch it there's Somewhere. bugs oh i hate bugs <laughs> there's I fucking hate bugs there's fucking bugs <laughs> Why? Uh, I'm going to quote one of the great lines. There are bugs in my puke! It's <laughs> 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 great. <laughs> okay. Great. Anything else? I don't think so. I think I'm good with blathering. Is oh, that a word? Okay. Blather. I well, think it, it is. is now. <laughs> well. Oh, well, I guess we could say we're back to probably the whole month of October. I'm not going to make any promises but we're probably gonna do longer formats me telling a story and then Mackenzie telling a story the next week oh yeah lately we just can't stop talking so yes we definitely have a couple more shows in October that are slated to be one story per episode because they're so big so just FYI everyone so this week I got a lot of my info from welcome to controversial.com. I mean I, I think it's controversial, could, but controversial. That's not how you spell it. Okay, that, that's why so. I was like, wait, why can't I why isn't this a word? Also, talk about the graphics on this website. <laughs> there is a lovely it's like a coin-ish tossing back and forth, and on one side it's a pentagram, and on the other side it is a witch on a broom. And then on either side, there is electricity, (laughs) lightning bolts, like, pulsing. (laughs) And there's a red star rotating. It's a a strange... It is a peak 1997 (laughs) website. Strange website. Um, Oh, this was written... Most of the research I found was written by George Knowles. Also, I got a shit ton of research from Wikipedia. Always. And actually from the Irish Times. Okay. Yes, big article on that. First of all, our story entails witches, fairies, and husbands who kill their wives. That's the trifecta. Yes. We can all leave after this. (laughs) Yes. A little bit of everything. I'm going to talk about the death of Bridget Cleary. So, background. Bridget, which Bridget Cleary, her maiden name is Boland, was born in 1869 in, I was going to look this up, <laughs> didn't, Balivadlia, Balivadlia, we're going to say Balivadlia, whatever, Ireland. So she was born in 1869. There's not a lot about her early life and growing up. But we can assume it kind of sucked because it was the late 1800s. So wasn't that great. But she was 18 when she married 26-year-old Michael Cleary in August of 1887. And they met in the town of Clonmel, where he was working as a cooper, which is someone who makes barrels. Barrel maker. Did not know that. I didn't either. And she was working as a dressmaker's assistant. So after their marriage... Bridget moved back home with her parents while Michael stayed in Clonmel to work. And I think that they were in the process of, like, finding a home. So I think, like, that's why she kind of moved back in with her parents. And she just 
was working from there and he just stayed in Clonmel for a while. Sounds like my kind of arrangement. <laughs> yeah. Whatever is uh, simplest. Yeah. But she was independent as fuck and a goddamn businesswoman for that time period, I would say. Um, upon moving home, I think she probably maybe was treated more of an adult because she's married now. You know what I mean? Like right. just by her parents, just like probably had a little bit more freedom and was just given maybe a little bit more respect. And she ended up buying her very own Singer sewing machine and started making clothing in the town. And so she was became a very well-known, like, clothes maker, alterations woman, all of that. And her side hustle was raising chickens and selling their eggs. Into it. <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm into getting eggs from people who have chickens. I don't want chickens ever. <laughs> but she had the side hustle, so I mean, that's we can, what I'm into. We <laughs> identify. We get it. Okay. Bridget's mom passed away during the time that she was, like, living with her parents, and her father was elderly and needed assistance once her mom died. So I'm going to explain this next part, how I understood it. Basically, Bridget's family were like work, like laborers. They were considered laborers. And at the time, there were particularly plots of land that could be bought and sold, but only two laborers. I'm, I don't know if it's because there was like property. So it was like, why would you need to live here if you worked in town? kind of thing. You you should only live here if you need a farm or something like that. Right. Like, probably something along those lines. But regardless, Bridget and Michael were still looking for a place to live. And they found a place, Um, and they wanted it. But because Michael wasn't a laborer, they didn't get it. Like, it was sold to someone else. But those people ended up not living there that long because it was said to be built on a fairy ring fort. And they, upon moving in, claimed of weird happenings, strange noises, like creepy shit going on. And I mean, they didn't live there for very long before they were like, nope, fuck it, I'm out. And then no one would buy the place. And so with their dad's, with Bridget's dad's help, because he was a laborer, her and Michael... And her dad were able to get the house. Nice. But there are also rumors that Bridget was the one basically spooking the people who lived there to get them off the property so that they could buy it. I mean, that sounds like a great plan. I know. So regardless, they end up with this land, but it's on a fairy ring fort. So straight from Wikipedia. These are the remains of... Hill forts or ring forts or other circular dwellings in Ireland. From possibly the late Iron Age to the early Christian times, the island's occupants built circular structures with earth banks or ditches. These were sometimes topped with wooden palisades in wooden framed buildings. As the dwellings were not durable, in many cases only vague circular marks remain in the landscape. I'm just imagining all the little huts from Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Yes, exactly, (laughs) exactly. So later traditions would claim that these circular marks were fairy forts and filled with old druid magic. You were not to alter them in any way at all. Because, like, something even as minor, like, if you cut the grass inside of one, like, you would be cursed, essentially. You'd have bad luck. 
your children would die, you would become poor, like whatever happened to you. It could have been because you got too close to a fairy ring fort or because you altered it in some way. So Bridget gets sick. March 4th, 1895. On this day, Bridget left home. So this is after her and her husband and her dad are living together in Bolivaldlia or wherever the (laughs) fuck. Uh, She leaves home that morning to deliver eggs to one of her father's cousins. And obviously everyone walked in the late 1800s, no matter how far, no matter where (laughs) the fuck they were going, no no matter the weather. And it was March in Ireland. So it was probably pretty fucking cold. And Jack is where she was going to Jack's house, which was her dad's cousin. And it was about two miles away. And his home also happened to be by a fairy ring fort. And she passed the fairy ring fort, continued her walk, made it to his home in no one's home. Wait, it's winter? It's March. So, I mean, it's probably snowing and fucking freezing. In March. How are they marked then? Like, is it marked? Like, hey, don't step over here? I don't know. Because my first thought is, like, if it's covered up at all, how would you ever know? If you knew that that it was there. If you knew it was there, like, in the first place. It's her family's place. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) That's a good question. I'm going to do a through it. (laughs) Get all the fairies. (laughs) So she gets there and no one's home. And she walked all this way with her eggs to sell. She is a hustling queen. She needs this fucking money. So she's like, I'm going to wait. I can wait it out. So she waits a little bit. And then she gets a chill, like a very strong, like bone chilling chill. And she's finally is like, I can't. I have to go home. So she walks the two miles back home, doesn't sell any of her eggs, and Hi, probably got hypothermia from sitting in probably not warm clothing because they weren't wealthy outside in the fucking cold. So once she got home, she tried to warm herself by the fire with no luck, like just still like a constant shiver. So she decided, fuck it, I'm going to bed. I can't. I can't even warm my soul, so I'm going to go to sleep instead. (laughs) So how I still deal with my problems. Right. With most people who lived in the 1800s. Everyone got some sort of illness and probably eventually died from it. Bridget, as many had at the time, fell ill during that March of 1895. We would probably call of her diagnosis today like bronchitis, possibly leading to pneumonia and maybe a little bit of hypothermia. But, you know, they didn't know that at the time. Um, All they knew is that she was extremely sick. She ended up being bedridden for days, and it all started the following morning of the 4th. You know, the day that she was out in freezing temperatures, but no one put two and two together. So that morning, she woke with a horrible headache and was still shivering, and it just got worse. Like, she just was super frail, super weak, like her head was just pounding, and she couldn't leave the bed. So around March 13th, which this part, I cut a little bit of this, but I can backtrack. Pretty much immediately, her husband called a doctor, like called for the doctor. And it was in the big article I read from that whatever controversial website. Um, It was like her husband went to call on the doctor. Doctor wasn't there. So he left a note. Day goes by. Doctor still doesn't stop by. The next day, Bridget's father goes. Doctor's still not there. He leaves a note. 
Another day goes by. The doctor still doesn't come. So the third day, her husband went again. And on his way, he went to, like, essentially whatever police or law force would be in place at the time to report the doctor not having showed up at their house. Like, saying, like, my wife is extremely (laughs) ill and I have called for the doctor and he has not come. So he essentially reported him. And then went to the doctor's office, left another note. And, like, the receptionist or whatever there was like, oh, he said he he's out. He just left. And he'll be, like, when he comes back from that visit, he's going to visit your wife. That whole scenario sounds like such a fucking nightmare. You literally have to walk to go get the doctor. <laughs> like, probably it's a just couple like, of miles. Everything I fucking hate being inconvenienced in any way, so slightly. But yeah. then it's like it's not slightly because you had to walk three miles to get there. Then you got to turn around and walk your ass back. And then With you no didn't answer your note. And yeah. then, like, you know he's probably just, like, busy and doing stuff that's valid, but you're still mad about it, so you're irrationally upset all the time until it gets solved. Well, According to Michael, the doctor did come back that day, that day that he reported him, and the doctor knew he'd been reported, and he shows up drunk. Mm, I feel like that's not uncommon for the time that we're in. Super drunk. Isn't everyone in this story drunk? Right? <laughs> I mean, just like buzzed all the time. It's cold. <laughs> um, everyone's ill. Yes. He essentially, I mean, claims, you know, that she's just delirious. And hysterical, per most women in the 1800s. Okay. (laughs) That's what's always wrong. So, yes, around March 13th, finally the fucking physician comes. But he, and he's very much like, yeah, she's gonna die. Like, you better call the priest. So then Michael calls the priest and has him come to read, like, the last rites or whatever. And throughout these next couple days, numerous family and friends visit to, like, see what they can do for Michael and Bridget's father and, like, to say their goodbyes to Bridget, essentially. And on one of these occasions, um, Joanna Burke, who is Bridget's cousin, stops by unannounced. And she kind of fell into a situation that she wasn't really expecting to be happening. So before we get into what Joanna saw... I need you to know that as you said Joanna Burke, I was like, you look like a Joanna Burke, so now it's you. You're in the story. (laughs) Me. You could play Joanna Burke. (laughs) Yes. So before we get into what she saw, we need to kind of backtrack and say what's going on with Michael. He was, I mean, distraught that his wife was clearly very, very ill, and now the priest has come and essentially... Let her soul go to heaven. He and took then a shot, threw the it on physician, the table, and was like, she gone. <laughs> yeah, and the physician is telling him that she's dead. And it took, you know, forever to get the fucking doctor there. And at this point, Michael doesn't believe the doctor. Like, he gave him medicine to give to her. But Michael's like, no, you're wrong. Like, I don't believe you. And, like, it took you ten days to get here. And also, you were fucking drunk when you got here. So, like understandably so, why he doesn't want to take this guy's medicine. Um, So that's kind of what is happening. Mm -mm -mm. So by this time, Michael got it in his head that Bridget was, in fact, not his wife. She was actually a fairy sent by the fairy folk to replace Bridget. He essentially now believed Bridget was a malevolent fairy changeling. And this is where shit gets bad. (laughs) (laughs) 
Joanna Burke. I just took a picture of her <laughs> while she was talking. No, that's Joanna Burke. <laughs> that is Joanna Burke. She's pissed. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So, Michael becomes obsessed with this idea that she's been replaced. Because he's not losing his wife. He oh. His wife has been taken by fairies. Okay. And in her place is a fairy. Okay. Who's fucking shit up. I mean, the only experience I have with fairies is watching True Blood, and that seems about right, so (laughs) I'm all in. And it's also worth mentioning that Bridget and Michael at this point had been married for quite some time and never had any children, which was unacceptable for the time period. Right. Because, you know, we didn't know about women not being able to have children or women just not fucking wanting children, you know, that that wasn't okay to do. (laughs) But... So people talked in the town about them not having kids and it being very suspicious. So there was one, there was like a suspicion of her anyways and talk of witchcraft because she and Michael didn't have children. And there was this jealousy thing of like, she was very independent. Michael didn't seem to mind that she was independent. You know, she did her dressmaking stuff. She did her own chicken things and like her chicken things, (laughs) chicken things. She, like, ran her own shit, and he was cool with it. Also, but... like, I don't know what's worse. I feel like for myself or you, obviously, like, ooh, yeah, she doesn't have any kids. She's a spooky witch. Right. But then it's like, <laughs> uh, she's probably just a sinner. God won't bless her with children right. because she's, she's unclean. That's the other end, like, yeah. Which one's worse? I mean, it's both. But I mean, it can't both. be both. So, like, pick a lane. <laughs> right, right. For the most part in this story, it's more that she is a witch. And she was pretty, and so, like, out of jealousy, people kind of didn't want to think that a woman could be successful all on her own and pretty and not have to deal with a fucking child. So they're like, oh, she's a goddamn witch. Or she's been replaced by a fairy. That's the only way it's possible. So, back to Joanna and her her unannounced visit. So what she saw was Bridget being held down and force-fed some kind of concoction of herbs and milk by three of Joanna's... No. Sorry. Keep going. (laughs) By three of Bridget's brothers, an an elderly neighbor, John Dunn, and her own husband, Michael. And Michael is screaming, Are you Bridget Boland, the wife of Michael Cleary, in the name of God, at Bridget? So it's like Joanna walks in, everyone's... There's like... Two men holding Bridget's arms down. Someone's laying across her legs. Some other man is holding her head while her husband screams in her face and pours this nasty milk concoction down her throat and is asking her questions of whether or not she's Bridget. I am not fucking interested. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, the concoction she was being fed was boiled milk and not just any milk, but like the first milk given by a cow after calving, so after having a baby, Ugh. which is apparently, like, super potent. It apparently has a ton of antibiotics, and it's great for you, but it's, like, nasty as fuck. Ugh. Like, it's not good. Yeah. I just imagine that's the consistency of, like, tapioca pudding. Oh, God. And then it's <laughs> boiling hot. Yeah. <laughs> and someone's asking you a fucking question. Yeah. And in their head, she was supposed to answer it three times. And if she answered it three times, then she was Bridget. 
And according to all of them, she would only swallow the milk twice and answer twice. And she wouldn't answer the third time. I mean, what kind of fucking logic is that? How much much boiling tapioca cow milk is this? (laughs) I don't know. I'm know. just imagining like her but, whole like, fucking regardless. face, like big mouth opens and like whoa, <laughs> swallows like <laughs> right. literally a pitcher. Yeah, all at once, and I then just know. like screams in a deep voice. Well, and she's name. like sick. Like who the fuck wants to drink that? You're sick. No, <laughs> I'd be like, I'm done with you. Listen, I am a witch, and you're losing your fucking mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what's the alternative? You just say you're a fairy, and everyone leaves. Like, great. No, oh, girl, it gets worse. No. So, with Bridget refusing to drink any more milk, um, this just made the men believe more that she wasn't human. And one of the men grabbed a hot iron poker and put it to Bridget's forehead, screaming for the witch or fairy to get out. So, literally grabbed a hot poker, put it on her forehead, and screamed, get out. I mean, that will elicit a reaction that is probably comparable uh, to yeah. what you're thinking might happen. Yeah. So, I guess before I get more into this, I should talk about fairy changelings. So, we're going to talk about fairy changelings. So, the, this idea was dying out by the late 1800s and into the early 1900s. Especially in larger areas areas of Ireland, but we are in small, rural, very, very, very rural villages where folklore was strong. All these people grew up with it, you know, like being told these stories of fairy tale folklore, all of these things. So it's like ingrained in them. And Michael, actually, his mom would talk about fairies a lot and said that she had gone to visit the fairies. Like, so she would tell these stories to Michael when he was little of how she went to visit the fairies and do whatever with the fairies. So he, like, from a young age, I mean, truly believed that they were real. I mean, I'm kind of interested in that. Oh, yeah. I want stuff like that, to not to, like, necessarily be real. But, like, what are we told is, like, you know, what kind of culture do we have that you're told anything like that? I mean, nothing. Nothing. But, like, there's the internet now and no one in science. Right. There's not as much science I mean, You can't then. have it. So. You can't. You don't get those now. <laughs> yeah. So, fairy changelings. Um, it was a huge belief in Ireland and Scotland, both with their own kind of differing versions of the tales. But primarily, these changelings would replace babies. And this could be for a number of reasons. Uh, one was considered that fairy babies were ugly. And troublesome. And human babies were cute and giggly. And the fairies were like, fuck this ugly baby. I'm taking this cute baby. I mean, do fairies... Are adult fairies ugly? Do they ever get cuter? I don't know. It's never talked about. Do they have fangs? I'm picturing fangs. I'm picturing like a... And point... And weird long ears. Yes. Ears. And, like and that they're scrawny. Wrinkly. Yeah. Like a naked cat. Ew, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, primarily in Scotland, it was believed that the fairy folk had made a pact with the devil to have to get their powers. And in their agreement, they were to pay the devil a sacrifice every seven years. So, instead of sacrificing one of their own, they would take a human baby to sacrifice to the devil instead. Oh. Later on, I think this was more in Ireland, it wasn't just babies anymore, good-looking like, young women and men were also targets to be replaced by a changeling 
because fairies loved beautiful things and wanted to create a new breed that was like a fairy-human hybrid. Gotcha. So this was in Ireland that that was more believed, so that's why her husband was very much like, no, Bridget has been taken and is now a fairy. So how would one know if their baby or loved one had been switched? Right, she would have made it a long time as like a, a switched person. Well, yeah. Well, if she was switched in as a baby, but he thinks she was switched the day that she walked past that fairy ring fort and got a chill. Oh. Yes. Yes. So are they saying that someone else was ugly and she was cuter than them? I guess. <laughs> I guess. The ultimate holla from the gas yeah. station. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yo. Uh, Come here, girl. Yes. Super cute. Not attractive. No. Not in any way. <laughs> Uh, so you would know if your loved one had been switched is if they fell sick all of a sudden or began to, I mean, like wither away and not get well in a timely manner, then you were probably dealing with a changeling. So every other month? Right. I know. (laughs) I know. Probably the most unnerving of these facts, um, of these beliefs, I guess I should say, is that... Sometimes a changeling wasn't left at all, but instead a piece of wood, which was enchanted to look like your baby. Oh, no. And when your baby didn't get better, eventually your the enchantment would rub off and you would see the piece of wood for what it was. And a way to force the enchantment to rub off was to throw the wood that is a baby into the fire. Oh, okay. And then it would rub off the enchantment and turn back into a piece of wood. Um. But actually, you just threw your baby into the fire. Right. Yeah. I don't that think, was like a full-on belief. I don't think the appropriate term is rub off. Right. <laughs> um, I think it's second-degree murder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I so, mean, that just sounds like such a Grimm's fairy tale, though. I know. Like for anyone to believe that, even even then, it's just like, I don't know. You can't throw a baby in the fire. Right. You literally can't. I mean, I'm sure people actually did crazy shit like that all the time. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. So, ways to prevent your child or yourself from being taken was to put iron around your bed because fairies hated iron so that's, that's why he took the iron and super put it on her reasonable <laughs> right just like also how do you interpret like making a small iron fence or you know like laying some what can you get like an iron like you know i'm imagining like something like the shape of a railroad tie you can't just line your bed in them i'm gonna put a hot poker on your face on your face <laughs> not the same sir no not the like same. also i don't think it needed to be hot because it's <laughs> iron like they don't like it anyway why did you have to heat it up <laughs> like that's just rude you're taking it way too far way too far um, you know what? I'm calling Salem witch trials bullshit on this. It's just all men's hysteria. The men are yes, hysterical. They are the ones who are hysterical. I exactly. just have a fucking cough. Exactly. Leave me alone. <laughs> right. So if your child was taken, there are a number of tasks and rituals to perform to bring them back. But if your child is brought back, they may never be the same. In Ireland, it was believed that your child would basically always long for fairyland and like never like they would be different. They would be changed if they went there and were given back. 
So they would just always try to run off towards the ring forts. Right. <laughs> Essentially. So you got to get a backpack leash. Uh, yeah. I would say in our world of science and medicine, we now know that most of these change lanes, at least when it came to children, most likely were children who were autistic or who had Down syndrome and people, you know, didn't know what that was and right. didn't want to accept that this was actually their child. And so it became, yeah, like a common belief that your my baby's been replaced. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, like any at any stage of development, if there's some if sort of like off. issue or acceleration in development, it's like, this right. isn't my kid. Yes. Yes. Like, hi, kids change. So let me throw it into the fire pit <laughs> and see if it turns back into a log. <laughs> and then if you threw your parent in the fire pit, you would still be a fairy. Uh, Yeah. Good luck surviving. Right. Back to Bridget being held down and all of that. So Joanna walks in and witnesses all of this. And she was obviously appalled, but was also in the belief that they were helping her because she believed that that she was a fairy and that they were just trying to get the real Bridget back. But Joanna would actually later be like the key witness at Bridget's murder trial for all of this. So March 15th. This is a lot. But, I mean, it's not, like, super important, but I'm just going to name them off. These are all of the people who were in the Cleary home on March 15th. And they were a part of... They were included in the next part of the story. Her husband, Michael, Bridget's husband, Michael, her father, Patrick, her aunt, Mary Kennedy, her four cousins, Patrick, Michael, James, and William, and Jack Dunn. And there was also someone named William... I don't know, or arena, whatever. So by this time, more of Bridget's family are involved in this idea that she is a fairy. No one's like, Michael, can you chill? Like, can we think about this? Everyone's like, (laughs) you are so fucking right. She's a goddamn fairy. And that she's been replaced. Um, So on March 15th, after what has now been days of abuse by her husband, she confesses to Michael that she can see the police outside And that he should just let her be, hoping that if he thought the police were actually there, that he would, like, put an end to this. But this was very wrong. This was not a good idea on her part. I mean, not that she deserved anything that happened next, but, like, she was just trying to, like, be like, oh, my God, I think the police are outside. So that he would stop pouring whatever he had in his hand on her and forcing her to answer questions. So after this remark, Bridget, from Bridget, Michael picked up a chamber pot filled with piss and dumped it over her head. He then dragged her out of bed and took her to the kitchen where Joanna, Mary, who is Bridget's aunt, and then her dad, Pat, were all sitting and talking about fairies in the situation at hand. So they're all there watching this. I think Mary was in the room when he poured... He asked Mary to hand him the chamber pot. And she said, why? What are you going to do with it? And he grabbed it from her and then poured it over Bridget. Like, oh, at what point did this escalate from, like, one hot poker and right. cottage cheese milk yeah. to, to a cauldron of piss? Yeah. <laughs> Very quickly. I mean, it's been a couple days. But what like- grimoire are you reading out of? <laughs> or are you just, like, everything in the room? Fucking Right. I mean, you're yeah. you're just participating. It's like... This whole, like, frenzy of yeah. group hysteria. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Very much. I'm just shocked that no one stopped any of it. No one. 
Nine people watched what happens next. So he drags her into the kitchen and she's, Bridget is beginning to kind of like put two and two together that, okay, everyone's involved. You know, like she sees her whole family and like in her fucking house while her husband is doing this to her and no one's doing anything. And so she tries to like reason with Michael by saying like your mother believed in fairies and talked about this to you when you were a child. Like you can't, you know, you have to separate this. That's not what's happening right now. Like, you believe this because you've been told this since you were young, but that's not what is happening right now. Like, trying to legit reason with him, but obviously it does not work. Upon being brought into the kitchen, Michael had made three pieces of toast and instructed Bridget to eat all three. And before each piece, he would ask her the same question, like whether or not she was Bridget Boland and are you the wife of Michael Cleary? And again, she answered twice, and ate two pieces of toast, but could not eat the third. So while her entire family is in the fucking room with her, uh, Michael throws Bridget to the ground, straddles her, and puts his knees on her chest, and he forces her to eat the third piece of toast. Um, While, like, holding her mouth shut and holding her throat and saying, swallow it, is it down yet? And then still asking her the same question. Are you Bridget Boland? This man is a pure fucking idiot. Yeah. So things escalated even more quickly Uh, at this point. Michael strips his wife down to her undergarments, covers her in oil, and then sets her on fire. Okay. Yeah. And every step of this was watched by at least four other people at the whole time. And he just kept repeating the phrase, it is not my wife. It is not my wife. So Joanna is still sitting there just shocked and appalled. And she turns to Mary, who's Bridget's aunt, just like, what do we do? And Mary looks at Joanna and says, that's not my um, niece. You will soon see. She'll go up the chimney. So that was the belief that if you got rid of the fairy, they would go up the chimney and out of your house. And then like Bridget was going to walk back through the front door, like the real Bridget. Imagine their surprise. Yeah. I want to talk about that part. Yeah. Let's get to that part. We're getting there. (laughs) So after everyone comes to the realization that they just witnessed their, I mean, family member full-blown murdered and did absolutely nothing and that she she wasn't a fairy. That's, That's not a thing. She wasn't. She was just Bridget, normal Bridget. Um, They all gather in the kitchen. Like, Michael is in... The way I pictured it is, like, like the sitting room with the fireplace, and then the kitchen's kind of, like, off to another room. So they're all in the kitchen. Michael's in the living room with Bridget's body, trying to... Because he's waiting for it to go up the chimney, and it doesn't. So then he's trying to get rid of it. And, I mean, there are parts that are, like... He fucking put oil on her. Like, very, very, very charred and burnt and he's just trying to pick up pieces and like put it Uh, into oh no like a sack to get rid of so the rest of the family is in the kitchen like what the fuck how did he set her on fire in a house i don't know it had to have been made of stone maybe but like it probably had like a dirt floor too still though yeah i don't know be flammable i know with oil with oil which this did happen in the 1800s we don't know for sure it could be you know very 
embellished by now i'm sure (laughs) i hope i hope i mean i'm sure that you know this could have been the story but i hope that all of these fantastical parts were added yeah i guess yeah so michael calls into the kitchen to have one of the men come and help him and he threatens to kill anyone who tries to leave the home and i mean they're all terrified of him at this point because he did kill someone. Why don't they just throw them? the next pot of piss and oil on him? Right, and just set him up. There's like him. eight of them. Good question. Um, so he calls one of the other men into the other room because he needs help disposing of Bridget's body. And he tells the guy because she didn't go out through the chimney. So together, he and whoever he calls wraps her body in a sheet and carries it out about a quarter of a mile away from the house at the corner of a marshy field. And there they dig a shallow grave that, I mean, was already filling with water with, like, every dig and just left her body in there. And he threatens everyone, like, in the house to not leave and to not tell anyone, essentially. So after this task was completed, that's when he goes back. He makes everyone, like, take an oath and essentially threatens them all. But it wouldn't take long for rumors to circulate through the small town about Bridget's disappearance. Because now there's no one talking about her being sick. People are stopping by to see how, you know, because she's been sick. So people have been stopping by to visit. Well, and then and all people of a are like, I need like, my dress hemmed and where are my well, eggs? Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, Bridget's not here. Everybody misses a busy girl. Yes. <laughs> yes. So March 22nd, Bridget's remains are found. Her legs, abdomen, back, and hands were very badly burned. And after her body was found is when witnesses come forward pretty quickly to tell what happened. So then Michael Cleary, her husband, Patrick Boland, Bridget's father, James Patrick and Michael Kennedy, who were her cousins, Mary Kennedy, and then two other men who were involved were, were all charged with willful murder. Good. Okay, yes, they were all charged with willful murder. Unfortunately, during the actual trials, all of the charges were reduced to manslaughter. The two men and Mary, so her aunt, were released with no jail time. So Joanna's the one who came forward and, like, confessed, and she didn't get any jail time or even was charged with anything because she gave everyone up, essentially. So they were charged, or they were released with no jail time, but were charged with manslaughter. Patrick, her father, received six months in prison. Michael, one of her cousins, received six months of hard labor. James, her other cousin, received one and a half years in prison. And Patrick, her fourth cousin, received five years in prison because he helped get rid of her body. He helped bury it. And Michael was sentenced to 20 years in prison. He would only serve 15, and he later moved to Liverpool, England, where he immigrated to Montreal, Canada, and essentially started a new life where no one would know who he was or what he had done back in Ireland. And according to accounts of those who shared a cell with Michael, he held strong to his belief that he did not kill his wife. He killed a fairy changeling and that he lost his wife to the fairies. No. Yep. I would be interested to hear the version of that story where he was um, fucking the neighbor or (laughs) had a gambling debt that she found out about because I think that's what happened. Or that she just all, I mean, even if he did like lose his shit and was like, this is a fairy and I'm going to kill her. I mean, you just lost control. 
Yeah. You got like caught up in a weird situation where you couldn't turn back for whatever reason. Well, right. And I don't know if that was from like legit, like, I don't know, despair that he was losing his wife and she was dying. And so he couldn't accept that. So he just decided that this was the only other option. That she was a fairy and he would get her back. I guess. I don't know. But that is the story of Bridget Cleary. A lot of places, not a lot, I wouldn't say a lot, a lot of like headlines call it like the last witch in Ireland. Yeah. But most of the articles I actually read referred to it as fairies. Not that she was a witch. But I guess that can sometimes go hand in hand. Fuck all of them. Yeah. People were so... So fucked up. I just... Which, yeah, maybe to your line, maybe he wasn't cool with her being an independent woman, doing her own shit. And not having babies. And so he got rid of her. interested to hear a more traditional folkloric take on this. Like, someone who actually did grow up hearing that type of story. Right, yeah. And being like, yeah, this is... Well, it is like a nursery rhyme. Well, and just like what the culture... Might yes. have been like yes. then. Like, what could she have done that would have actually gotten that out of him as a reaction? Yeah. Or was he just nuts and thought that maybe, there were fairies? Well, that. Or maybe she did have, like, miscarriages or something. You know, maybe they tried to have children. And then she couldn't. And so he probably thought she was a witch. Well. Just like everyone else. She's a witch that can't have kids and you can't get divorced, so throw her in the fire. Oh, my gosh. Well, this is a <laughs> spooky hour. A, a very upsetting hour. <laughs> uh, yes, I wanted to start October off with some, not fun, but you know, I like a little bit of witch, tale. a little bit of fairy. Yeah, not our traditional I husband it. killing a wife. That's your traditional for <laughs> Not sure. my traditional. And then I will be all in here momentarily next week with something fucking horrible i can't wait so have fun yay you you got your slight reprieve of someone being burnt (laughs) in a fireplace this week (laughs) yes this was your lighthearted episode for october next week will be much worse (laughs) great (laughs) so until then you can find us on social media at Dead From Champs on Twitter and Instagram. As always, Death by Champagne podcast on Facebook. If you want your episodes a day early and an extra episode a month, you can find us on patreon.com slash deathbychampagne. What else? Email us stuff. Yeah, email us stories. Yeah. We aren't totally set on topics yet, I wouldn't say, for all of October. We're open. If you guys have something you want us to talk about, DM us on Instagram, email us, and we will absolutely get to it. Yes. Till next time. I don't have a glass. Oh, no. We only have a red Solo cup and one wine glass. (laughs) (laughs) How sad. sad. (laughs) So sad. We're here to keep you up at night. Bye. Oh, and hail Satan. And pop a bottle. Bye. Spooky.
Bum 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 b